This podcast series is part of Hashtag Hour, a new grassroots project that brings together personal stories of all backgrounds to widen discussions on existing and important issues that are often silenced. Interested in the project or want to contribute to our work? Check out www.ourcontext.org. What does it mean to be a mixed-race Brazilian woman studying psychology in Brazil? In this episode, Maria Felipe Oliveira shares with us her experiences of growing up in a city with a predominantly black population and pursuing her tertiary education in a city with a predominantly white population. Her story highlights how studying about racism in university allowed her to make sense of her role, place, and sense of belonging within the many contexts of Brazilian society. I'm Fumi, this is Hashigar Racism, and this is the story of Maria Felipe Oliveira. Maria Felipe Oliveira is a Brazilian national. She was born to a white father and black mother. She grew up most of her life in Bahia, a state in northeast Brazil with one of the largest black populations in the country. Maria Felipe Oliveira says that while she doesn't explicitly remember standing out or experiencing any manifestations of racism herself, she recalls one experience her brother went through. When I was a child, my brother suffered from a serious policy of violence. Like, he was one time riding his bicycle and a policy uh, stopped him and actually asked him for this this payment approval of the bike because the policy was thinking that the bicycle was stolen from anyone and uh, my brother was actually... Uh, he was actually going to meet me in somewhere and he didn't show up because the police lead the bike the bi- the bicycle to a police station so in on the other day he and my father take the 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 payment approval com- and went to the police station to rescue the bike so that was very difficult to to see at the time and uh, as a child i remember so much this episode in specific and it didn't make sense for me at the time because i was only a child i had seven eight years but my brother is nine years older than me so he already had 17 and i didn't actually understand how could this happen Maria Felipe Oliveira recalls another incident that happened to her brother when she was a teenager. There was another situation where my my brother was meeting me again, but he was charging his college graduate invites for giving to his friends because he was going to form his undergraduation. And another policy stopped him and thought he was leading drugs and take this this cart and start to split the carts all over the floor in the, in the middle of the street and once he he saw that my brother wasn't carrying drugs he only turned the back and lead all the invites on the floor and my brother was 
meeting me because I was younger at the time. And uh, here in Brazil, you already uh, have known that it isn't a secure country. So it was late at night and I was at a friend's house and he was going to meet me so we can go home because he was older and the man and actually this is more secure than a younger teenager walking 9 p.m. on the street alone. So he actually was crying when I met him and this was, was so strong to see Right, it was so unfair to see, and and I think that uh, is one of the most difficult things that that I've seen in my family, considering racism. Maria Felipe Oliveira went on to study psychology. After finishing her bachelor's and master's at Bahia, she moved to Rio Grande do Sul, a state in the south of Brazil, to pursue her PhD. She says that the state has a particular history. It's a state called Rio Grande do Sul. And actually it's uh, quite interesting because uh, this state is known all over the country for being a racist state. Because there are some historical conditions, because there are some immigrants from Italian and Germany who were founded from the government to live here and to erase the black history here in this state. It was a time in Brazil where the black population were very high, still is. The majority population from Brazil is black and persons of color, but the government strategy was to lead the country more white. So they provided German and Italian families and Polish families to come from this region here in Brazil because it's cold. And <laughs> in the winter, actually, there are some, some cities that actually snow here. And they formed colonies here, uh, Italy colonies and, and German colonies to erase this black history here in this state. Maria Felipe Oliveira says that from day one of her PhD studies, she felt out of place. I entered in my classroom and I looked, oh my God, I'm the only black person here. So it is very difficult, right? Because you understand that this eventually is not your place. You don't belong to this place. And when you're looking to the statistics, less than 3% of scientific community in Brazil are black women. Less than 3%. And considering that Brazil has almost 6 or 70% of black person, person of color, uh, where are these people? I'm less than 3% of a scientific community here in Brazil. And it is very difficult because actually the walls, the, the building are telling you, you don't belong here. <laughs> and eventually our colleagues and friends 
because I, I studied psychology and I live a lot with psychologists. And in psychology, we usually have higher tolerance about racism and other minorities. We actually get concerned about this population because we study this and we are uh, always having to live with it. But although my colleagues already recognize this and see this as a huge problem, they actually don't do things to change the situation because they are majority. So eventually you find a lot of colleagues that do this, but it is not something that is orchestrated and is not institutional. So it's very challenging. Maria Felipe de Oliveira struggled to be accepted and find a place in the community she was in, not only in her professional life, but also in her private life. I was seeing a guy once, and he was from one of the cities that is majority Italian and German. So he was very white guy, and his family was whole white and Italian and so we actually was seeing each other for already a year and I uh, realized that he was ashamed of me because once I was at his house and his brother went to the house and he actually hiding hidden me on his room his bedroom because his brother couldn't see me there. So after this day, I still hang out with him one or two months, but I realized how difficult it was because he was never going to, to present me to his friends and his family. And actually all my friends already met him here he enjoyed being at my my house and staying with me and my friends and we we hang out with all my community friends but when it was considering his friends he actually put some barriers and after we broke up 6 months after he was dating in public relationship with a white girl was also Italian from this region and presented to, to his family. So uh, actually, I, I confirmed my theory, right? Uh, I think that here uh, in Ukraine, the, so the, that was the most difficult situations that I lived. Maria Felipe Oliveira says that she couldn't fully make sense of her ex's motives at that moment in time. At the time, uh, once the situation happened, uh, at the day, I was frozen. I didn't realize. I actually uh, was, okay, he did this. What, what, what is wrong with it? <laughs> and uh, I came to, to my house and I got thinking and overthinking. I didn't confront him about it because I knew he was going to deny. That is the most difficult part because 
although people still are racist, they didn't realize how racist they are being considering the situation and they denied us that we are crazy, we are seeing too much, we are... Uh, there, there's a lot of, of, of validation considering this. So after we broke up, I was very bad and, and sad. And uh, after I saw this, I got angry. <laughs> I got actually angry about it. And uh, I'm doing therapy, so <laughs> it, it is it is very important to, to to talk with these things with my therapist and and we together build another means to understand the situation and I already know that he was a jerk and <laughs> he was the bad person here and I don't have to live with a person that do this to me. I have to live with a person that assumes me to who doesn't have shame to live with me. Maria Felipe de Oliveira says that there are not enough qualified professionals who can discuss issues around racism and shares her take on the importance of having more black people with such qualifications. I think that is very true that we don't have enough therapists uh, who are qualified to treat, treat these questions because historically therapy is an elite, is something that is from people who have money. <laughs> and black people doesn't have money to therapy here in Brazil. So uh, black people didn't go to college at all to study psychology, for example. So how can we address these questions if there aren't therapists that are forming to exert this profession? But we know that this is a changing reality. We already have some, some incentives from groups that are trying to change this reality and giving support to black people, considering therapists. And right now, for example, it's my first time that I'm with a black therapist. And it's very interesting because sometimes I think that I wasn't trained to see these situations that happened to me. And my therapist, she actually perceived this. Maria Felipe Oliveira says that growing up, she thought racism was not her issue. It wasn't until she started studying psychology that she slowly started making sense of it and seeing her role in it. I started to change my mind about races after I entered undergraduate school from psychology. Because in psychology, we, we study a lot about social aspects from psychology, psych psychological function and how the, the society uh, has some points on psychology. There's a line of work and field of research in psychology, which is called social psychology, that studies this uh, minority po population issues like 
sexual, gendered, and race, racial minorities. So I made contact with this theory, and this broke a glass, <laughs> a window, window of glass, because I didn't actually see this happen, and I thought that racism was only called someone black as monkey or or have uh, offenses like this but when you started to study this these theories you can see that is a lot more of, of it and I started to change my point of view considering a lot of questions because I actually didn't see myself as a black person at all because I had the privilege to live in a family uh, where my parents gave me uh, good scholarships and I studied at particular schools and I studied English and dance and music. Uh, so I lived in a privileged center because of my parents' resources they, that they gave me. And I didn't uh, see myself as a victim of the system at all. But after I entered in contact with these theories, I realized that I was a victim because considering my school, for example, the majority of my, my colleagues were already white people because it was a particular school which considers that you have money to pay for it. So I actually started to look at my background with a, a, different, a, a different eye. Maria Felipe Oliveira shares her take on how people in Brazil see racism and engage with racism today. Here in Brazil, we talk a lot about racism, but most of people think that Brazil is a racist country, but nobody thinks that he's the racist. He or she is the racist one. So it's a very huge problem because considering that here in Brazil, a majority of uh, living people are person of color, different from global north, global north countries, we have a problem because as we are going forward on the economic pyramid, we see that it's getting whitest. So the majority of black people and person of color are also poor people who suffers from economic constraints and a lot of difficult situations that is structurally impossible them to achieve a great kind of of living great, great a great life so nowadays we talk a lot about races but considering the last two or three years uh, since this president <laughs> assumes the power, uh, Bolsonaro, is carrying with him a lot of neo-Nazist fans 
because he's a, a super supremacist white group which thinks that is bullshit that racism does is, doesn't exist anymore here in Brazil that black people enter to drug drug traffic because it's a choice it's not a systemic problem and here we have a lot of examples in different regions but specifically I think that the most common example for this is Rio de Janeiro, which is a very uh, violent state that considers a lot this this drug situation and the war on drugs here there uh, doesn't function because they already uh, killed a lot of black people, which is on the one hand of the the drug traffic, the 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 huge ones are still out and doing mean to these poor guys who are recruited once they're still a child to make part of, traf of drug traffic. So I think it's a very complex situation here in Brazil. We discuss, right? And actually there's some group, like I said, considering the fact that I'm a psychologist and I'm inserted in spaces that discuss this with a certain frequency. But I, I know there are other groups that think that this is bullshit and this, is, this doesn't have to be discussed anymore because racism doesn't exist in Brazil. And these are the same people that are uh, recruiting black women to do underpayment jobs in housing services. And this is it, is where we live. Maria Felipe Jorivere shares her reflections on the societal nature of racism and the role of individuals. I think we all are racist, including me including the people who suffer from racism because we live in a racist society. So I think that we reproduce a lot of this racism every day and we didn't uh, are actually consent about it. So I think that I called everyone, all, all of us are racist right now, but I think that there are those who are trying to, to change and those who are trying to track where are our mistakes and those who are denying it and thinking that it's a joke and thinking that when you call a friend a monkey, you're not being racist because you're only making a joke, and that is the reality, and that that, that there isn't there isn't racism. So I think that there's these two groups with a range of a spectrum where people who stay next to this denial line, or people who stays next to this 
trying to change and understand the space that we're living and how my my behaviors are impacting on this racist society. Against the background of her experiences, Maria Felipe de Oliveira has the following to say on what she thinks it means to be anti-racist. I think the term anti-racist is becoming very popular nowadays and I think that is very important to think about it. But I think that being anti-racist means that we are always having to give explanations and teaching, but we are also tired to teach. If we, we want to be anti-racist, we have to learn from ourselves. We have to go for and search and read more about and trying to understand uh, even if you are a white person, especially if you are a white person because you are vulnerable to make these mistakes like every person. So we are always having to search and look for information, not just asking for a person of color if this is right or not, because we are actually tired of asking these things. We support a lot. It's not easy for my brother, I presume, after he faced these situations, have to face a white guy looking for answers and and reproducing some stereotypes. So uh, I think that search from your own and actually trade information and have an exploratory behavior to know more. I think that, that the, the key word is knowledge. You barrier races with knowledge. You can find more information about racism in Brazil, as well as other articles, books, and videos Maria Felipe Oliveira recommends people to take a look at on racism on our website, www.ourcontext.org. You can also find the transcript of this episode on our website in English, Portuguese, French, German, and Italian. If you have a personal story to share, reach out to us on our website, Twitter, or Instagram. You can find us by typing in hashtag our underscore racism. This is Fumi and Hashagar Racism. See you in two weeks. This episode was produced and edited by me, Fumi. Introductory score by Luca Nioi. Other music by Pete Moore's Crescent Music and Fugu Vibes. A big thank you to Maria Felipe Jolivere for her time and energy in reliving for us some of her painful memories and sharing with us important reflections on this issue. <laughs>